Let's try something for a minute. To all, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. Why didn't you guys do it for me? You did it for him. For a minute, I thought we either have a bunch of charismatics here or a bunch of Baptists, which is not a problem. Isn't this nice to th throw a loop in our normal routine? When you look around the church, half the people you don't know because they go to a different mass. It's funny sitting in back, standing in back watching people come in to their pew and seeing someone else sitting in their pew, but it's their pew too. Just happens to be at a different mass. So it's wonderful to be able to shake things up a bit so we can see who the rest of our people are. We stand here tonight, you know, kind of on the edge at least liturgically, the edge of the Old Testament and the, the beginning of the New. This beautiful reading of the Annunciation. It's a, it's a beautiful church of the Annunciation. It's enormous. The last time I was over there, I had the hotel room right, I got to be on the right, on the right, the outside. My window was literally... I mean, it's a street that is dividing, but it was right there in front of the, the biggest part of it with all the light shining. It's just an incredible, incredible church. And at the bottom of the church, of course, is where uh, they found, through archaeological digs, Mary's house, where the Annunciation, in theory, would have taken place. And they're probably in the 80% surety of that being the location. But it's uh, quite impressive. In the top, of course, is this enormous uh, building that can fit many, many people. So it's multi-leveled, and it's just a very impressive. But anyhow, it has nothing to do with anything. Our readings tonight are, are simply introducing to us the concept of a new beginning and how new beginnings take place. In one sense, they're miraculous, and in another sense, they're very ordinary. And perhaps that's part of the lesson, is the very ordinary is, more often than not, miraculous. We just fail to see it, or we become bored with it. And that's all a result of the fall, that we're not impressed anymore with the ordinary. It just becomes too ordinary, and we're always looking for something new, something shiny, something spectacular, rather than seeing what we have and, and seeing it for what it truly is. So Mary today makes it very clear uh, that she's confused as to how the details are going to be worked out. She doesn't doubt that it can happen, but the difference between her and what, she, what was referred to in the gospel with uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, the difference is, is she's a virgin, there's no counterpart here. Whereas Zechariah had Elizabeth, and she was sterile, and through a healing, God performed a miracle. But here there's no healing. It is a direct intervention 
uh, overshadowing of the Holy Spirit upon her, which is the beginning of a new beginning of a new beginning. And so the thought that I want us to take with us tonight as we prepare for our celebration of the Incarnation is just that, the Incarnation. You know, having a thought, even if it's a good thought, is not enough anymore. Having the right answer means nothing. It has to take flesh. If it's going to mean anything, if it's going to affect any change, if it's going to be worth anything, it really has to take flesh. And that's what God is trying to teach us tonight. Mary's special place in our church, in our world, in our spiritual life is not to be undermined or deluded by my statement that in a certain sense all of us have the same call. Hers is very particular because it's historical, singular, never to be repeated. But in a certain sense, being Mary's children, you and I all have the same call to birth the word in our world, in our circumstances. It's not just simply enough to know answers, to have the right answer, to have a word, to have a thought. It's not enough. Look at our world. Look around. It's not enough for a bunch of people to just be talking to at each other. It has to actually bring about something. that The word has to grow legs. And that happens when you say yes, when I say yes, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, which is happening all the time, whether we recognize it or not. Our pastor at the store doesn't take much to acknowledge them as a human. I know we're busy, but it wouldn't take much to acknowledge them, their presence. It wouldn't take much to have a kind word for someone who has a snarl on their face. It wouldn't take much. It would make a difference, but it really wouldn't take much effort from us other than being conscious and living more intentionally our life. So as we're preparing to celebrate the Incarnation, it begins with us, doesn't it? This is the new beginning that no longer are you and I simply uh, slaves to what Adam and Eve have done to us and for us, and we've participated in, but rather now there's a new opening. The clouds have, as it were, opened up, and God has heard the cry of his people as we've been meditating on, and the particular grace that is given to each and every one of us because God knows all the details of our life, so when the Lord tells us to repent, He's not asking for the impossible. All things are possible with God. When he gives us a message to repent, he knows what you're dealing with. He knows what I'm dealing with. He knows our fallenness, our brokenness, our proclivities. He knows it all. And so his call for repentance is fair. The question is, is will we take it up? Will we incarnate that word that has been spoken to us in our own life, in our own circles, in our own family. As we go through this evening and our final hours of preparation to celebrate the birth, I know most of us aren't going to be able to go and spend an hour in the chapel. But you could, at least interiorly, 
carry these things in your heart, just as Our Lady did.